So I'm going to look at the, um, the story of Jephthah and the judge, which we, uh, we looked at this morning. Um, there are some colouring sheets, some down here, some of the children or um, parents even would like to have something to doodle or, or to do during the talk. Um, so this is the third of our Names of God series. If you remember, we've looked at Jehovah Nissi, uh, the Lord, uh, the, my banner, Jehovah Mekadishka, the Lord who makes you holy, and this week we have Jehovah Hoshapat, the Lord, the judge. And to be honest, when uh, we were given a whole selection of uh, different names for God that we could choose, and I suppose I chose the Lord, the judge, because I'm a lawyer, um, and as I contemplated this, I then realised this is probably a very difficult thing to do in 10 minutes. <laughs> and also, the story is almost entirely unsuitable for a family service. <laughs> uh, however, um, you know, well, you've had an edited version which Peter read out for us. If you want to read the whole thing, you'll have to look it up in Judges 11, because I don't think we can even read that out. Um, but as a recap, so, uh, Jephthah was the son of Gilead, from the people in the region, also known as Gilead. But he was an illegitimate son by a Canaanite woman. His half-brothers despised him, and they didn't want him to share any part of their family, so they drove him away, and so he was rejected. He had no family, no home, and it was entirely not his fault. He moved to a different region, and there, uh, the Bible says that other worthless fellows, or something like that, gathered around him. Uh, he was a mighty warrior, and it seems that he formed some sort of private army or, or a group together, obviously of some renown. So when trouble came to his family, uh, the first person they thought of to save them was Jephthah. Maybe he was still part of their family after all. Uh, but Jephthah is no fool. He knows he's being used, but he wants to help his people even after what his family have done for him, or done to him rather. But he also wants his place back in with his family group. He wants to be restored, not to be, and not to be cast out again. He wants a full reinstatement for himself and his family. So he strikes a deal. He says, I'll do what I can, and if the Lord grants me victory over the Ammonites, you must make me your leader. And the elders, and Jephthah make a vow before the Lord. So Jephthah sends off a deputation to the Ammonites and, Ammonites and says, well, let's try and settle this. There's a very detailed description as to exactly what the argument was. It was over some land. Uh, it's not clear, really, exactly who did what and when. And, uh, and also, there's the argument, well, why didn't you sort this out 300 years ago when it all happened? But ultimately, the negotiations break down, as negotiations often do. But Jephthah realises something. He realises this, first of all, uh, it's a spiritual battle between the one true God and the false God of the Ammonites. So Jephthah says, I have not sinned against you, but you are doing me wrong by making war against me. May the Lord the judge judge today between the sons of Israel and the sons of Ammon. And so we have the name of God, the Lord the judge, Jehovah Hoshaphat. And then the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Jephthah and he summons up a larger army and the Lord does indeed grant him victory. The people of Israel are vindicated. Jephthah is personally restored back to his people. He has publicly stated his faith in the Lord 
and has put his own life on the line, and God has been faithful and glorified. It could all have been a happy ending. But we're told he made another vow as well that will give this particular story a tragic twist. But we'll come back to that. So Jephthah was not alone, uh, far from alone, in liking God to a judge. In fact, both Old and New Testaments repeatedly use this image. Do you remember Abraham pleading with God not to destroy Sodom? He says, what if there are 50 good people in that city? Surely you wouldn't destroy it. He says, far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? So God is a judge, the judge of all the earth, and he is fair. Psalm 9 says, The Lord abides forever. He has established his throne for judgment, and he will judge the world in righteousness. He will execute judgment for the peoples with equity. The Lord also will be a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. So God will judge the world, but not just handing down judgment from on high. He will also actively be involved in pursuing justice and fighting for the oppressed. Isaiah 30, for the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all who long for him. So he is a God of justice, and we do want justice, don't we? Do we? Hold on to that thought. So what sort of a judge is God? I went, to, I went to see a 94-year-old lady this week at her home. I've known her quite, well, quite a few years. I haven't seen her for a couple. So she showed me in and uh, we sort of sat down. And then she peered at me and she sort of chuckled a bit and said, Oh, you are good looking. <laughs> and, uh, and then with hardly a pause for breath, she went on to say that she was waiting tests because she had some problems with her eyes. <laughs> And um, I don't think God has those sorts of problems. I think his eyesight is pretty good. God will judge the secrets of men, Romans 2. He will disclose the secrets of men's hearts, 1 Corinthians 4. Even every careless word that people speak. Let not many of you become teachers, my brothers, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. You on next week, Matt? <laughs> we can't. So is it justice we want? Maybe for ourselves? Or about for the people we've hurt? Do we want justice for them? And what does that look like? God's judgment is utterly just and convincing. As Abraham said, shall not the judge of the earth deal justly? So how will we fare? Well, there's good news. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Romans 5. And Romans 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How can this be? Did you hear Pete's talk last week? The God who makes you holy. God does not just pretend that we are right before him, turning a blind eye, so to speak. He doesn't look at me like the 94-year-old lady with bad eyes. When he looks at me, at you, what does he see? Or perhaps who does he see? 
Galatians 2, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So we can be united with Jesus in a real and profound way if we put our trust in Jesus. And he lives in us and we in him. So we can stand before the Lord the Judge and he sees his son, his daughter. He truly is the Lord who makes us holy. If anyone is lost, confused or struggling, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. We can be made new and have peace with God. He is good and merciful. He has made a way. Jesus is the way. But what about Jephthah? What do we make of him? His second vow is, If you will indeed give the sons of Ammon into my hand, then it shall be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the sons of Ammon, it shall be the Lord's. I will offer it up as a burnt offering. What was he thinking? From his own mouth, he had already claimed that the Lord was the judge, that he would make the, he would uh, fulfill his promises. What extra could he have achieved by this vow? And who did he think would come out to meet him from his house? So what do we think? Was he a fool? Cruel? Reckless? A hero? So we all make judgments all the time. And we are judged by people in return. In fact, being wrongly judged or misunderstood is one of the things that I really hate. It pushes all my buttons. And I'm sure, you know, we all have had experience of people thinking ill of us. Maybe I care a little too much about what people think. Do I care enough about what God thinks? And do I have perfect vision to pass judgment on others? No wonder we are warned to be careful. Can we live up to our own standards? And there is a great irony in this story. It almost invites us to pass judgment on Jephthah. Now there's some debate as to what Jephthah actually did in the end to his daughter. On a simple reading, it appears that he might have actually sacrificed her. There are other people who say no, that she actually spent her life serving the Lord in the tabernacle. I actually don't know the answer to that. It's, you know, you can ask Aid later, he'll tell you. <laughs> um, but two things are abundantly clear, that Jephthah kept his vow, and in fact his daughter encouraged him to do so, though she mourned that she wouldn't have children. And second, Jephthah was devastated. This was his only child, who he loved very much, and by extension, she represented his entire family line. Whether his daughter died or remained unmarried and served the Lord, he had ended his family line at the very point he was reinstated to be with his people. And how easy it would be to write him off as a tragic character, undone by his folly and remembered for his failure. But to God, it is his judgment that matters, isn't it? Would we like to be remembered for our greatest mistakes? Hebrews 11 is a, is a roll call of the heroes of the Old Testament. From Abel's pleasing sacrifice to God, 
through Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and Rahab. A list of people who approve, who gained God's approval through their faith. Verses 32 to 34, Hebrews 11. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. So Jephthah's there, he's on the list, remembered not for his greatest mistake, but for his faith. And this is the very heart of God, isn't it? He proves himself to be full of mercy, full of grace and forgiveness, ready to welcome us home, made righteous through our faith in Jesus and his saving work on the cross and our new life in him. Will not the judge of the earth deal justly? Yes, even at the cost of his only son. We have a good God. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we acknowledge that you are judge. Lord, you are the judge of the earth and you are good. You are kind and merciful. Lord, you have made a way for us to stand before you. And Jesus is the way. Lord, help us to be people who pursue justice, who fight for the oppressed. Let us be slow to judge and quick to forgive. And we pray that you'd be honoured in our lives. In Jesus' name.